0: Coming up this week, Hindenburg Research sets their sights on Lordstown Motors, a hybrid Corvette may be in the works, Canoe's pickup truck is revealed, and more. Hello friends and welcome to episode 56 of the EV Resource Podcast. I'm Zach Hurst and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answers to your questions about electric vehicles. Before we get started with the news this week, I want to thank our podcast partner, Titan Auto and Tire in Mosley, Virginia, for their support. Titan is one of the very few independent shops in central Virginia that are qualified to work on EVs. And from hybrids to Hummers, they fix everything. For more information and to schedule an appointment for your vehicle, go to TitanAutoTire.com. That's TitanAutoTire.com. Man, oh man, when it rains, it pours, and this week has been absolutely packed with EV news stories. I'm going to try to keep this to 20 minutes or so, but if things keep up the way they have been in the news, I may have to start making longer podcasts. I actually had to cut a few stories out of this week, but here are the big ones that you need to know about. First up, a couple of stories about our friends at Lordstown Motors. Lordstown has confirmed on social media that they are partnering with Brenthol Industries for the San Felipe 250 race. Lordstown is entering its endurance beta skateboard in the grueling desert race, meaning its race vehicle will run the company's electric chassis platform and a race-prepped version of the pickup truck body. Lordstown started testing its beta skateboard in January. The progression goes prototype Alpha Beta, pre production, and then production. So they are just at the very beginning of this process. Steve Burns, CEO of Lordstown Motors, believes that finishing the 290 mile single loop race will be a testament to the, quote, superior traction, weight balance, and advanced software control of our hub motor based endurance, end quote. Indeed, just competing in the race is a big deal for any entrant, as desert racing has a tendency to absolutely annihilate vehicles. So if they can pull this off without any major problems, it would be a huge accomplishment for Lordstown. But major problems for Lordstown this week are coming from a different direction. Do you all remember a company named Hindenburg Research? Yeah, they're the company that effectively took down Nikola Motors after revealing many misstatements by the former head, Trevor Milton. Well, this Friday, Hindenburg Research published a report on Lordstown Motors, and it's not very friendly, to say the least. I won't get too deep into details because it would take up the entire podcast, but basically their report is disputing the claim by CEO Steve Burns that Lordstown's 100,000 pre-orders are real. They say their, quote, conversations with former employees, business partners, and an extensive document review show that the company's orders are largely fictitious and used as a prop to raise capital and confer legitimacy. For example... They say, Lordstown recently announced a 14,000-truck deal from E-Squared Energy, supposedly representing $735 million in sales. E-Squared is based out of a small residential apartment in Texas that doesn't operate a vehicle fleet. Another point they make is, Another thousand-truck, $52.5 million order comes from a two-person startup that operates out of a Regis virtual office with a mailing address at a UPS store. We spoke with the owner who acknowledged it won't actually order any vehicles, instead describing the pre-order as a mere marketing relationship. Now, just as I said when the news first broke about Nikola, I think it's important to withhold judgment until all the facts are brought to light and we get to hear both sides of the story. To the second part of that, Lordstown did respond pretty quickly, denying the claims, and in an interview with the Wall Street Journal, Steve Burns acknowledged that they did hire consultants to generate pre-orders, but said that this was done to assess market demand. He told the publication that pre-order book was never misrepresented, saying, quote, we are not stating these are orders and have never stated that, end quote. So, We'll see how this plays out, but hopefully the result of this allegation will not be the same as the way it played out with Nikola, because we don't need another speed bump in the road to electrifying everything. So moving on, what's the first thing that you do when you get a new car? Maybe it's take it to a friend's house to show off or to a local cars and coffee meetup. Well, if your name is Sergio Rodriguez and your new car is in fact a Ford Mustang Mach-E, then naturally the first thing you do is go on a coast-to-coast road trip. And that's just what he did. Traveling a total distance of 2,428 miles from Maria de California to St. Mary's, Georgia only cost him $159.85 worth of charging. And speaking of charging, the longest he spent at any charger was 38 minutes. Not bad. I'm super excited when I see more and more long road trip stories just highlighting the fact that even non-Teslas can go long distance with the infrastructure that's being built out right now today. Love it. Next, another exciting story. Toyota may finally be weaning itself off of its hybrid addiction. Toyota has teased an image this week that is widely to believe the company's first fully electric passenger vehicle outside of China. And they say they will unveil it on Wednesday, March 17th. So just a couple of days away. Called the X-Prologue, the image shows only the front quarter of the vehicle in red, including a hook-like headlamp and the Japanese carmaker's ubiquitous logo. It is understood that the X-Prologue may be the battery electric SUV promised by Toyota in late 2020 that it said was, quote, nearly ready for production, end quote, and would be previewed in coming months. Koji Toyoshima, deputy chief officer of Toyota's Zero Emissions Vehicle factory, said in a statement, quote, Toyota will shortly take the next step in the rollout of its forthcoming battery electric portfolio by first previewing an all-new mid-sized SUV in the coming months, end quote. If the X prolog is in fact this vehicle, the name itself clearly represents the Japanese auto giant's first real step towards an all-electric future. So I had an experience this week that relates to the next story Uh, on Monday. I actually had the opportunity to get a hands-on look at an all-electric school bus. Now, I will be putting together an article and likely a video specifically about that experience because it was awesome. But related to EV school buses in the news this week, Montgomery County, Maryland has officially submitted the largest order of electric school buses ever 326 buses, and they say it's just the start. Montgomery County Public Schools has decided to fully electrify its fleet. It has chosen Highland Electric Transportation to get to work transitioning its school bus fleet from fossil fuels to electricity, and that starts with this order for 326 electric school buses to be delivered in the next four years. I can't tell you guys how important this is to get our kids away from diesel emissions. Air pollution can cause severe and long-term harm to kids' health and development, and conventional diesel-fueled buses are a gigantic source of pollution, even tremendously more than what is considered to be safe. In fact, a recent study found that carbon dioxide fumes inside buses combined with particulate matter were 10 times higher than the limits recommended by the EPA. 10 times higher inside the school bus, not just outside of it. This is a very, very big deal. So take this story about electric school buses from Montgomery County and uh, many of the other stories that are starting to pop up as inspiration, if you will, to your local schools and your school board and your counties and where you all live, use this to be proof to them, proof of concept, if you will, that if Montgomery County can transition their entire school bus fleet, and actually I forgot to mention that's 1,400 school buses, the order of 326 buses is just in the next four years, that that means other counties can do it too, including yours. GM has its sights set on yet another electrification project, this time with the iconic Chevy Corvette. No, I'm not joking. Now you may have some reservations about Chevy deciding to tinker with one of America's great cultural icons, but honestly, times are changing, and if the C8's mid-engine design hasn't communicated it enough, the Corvette is changing too. This time, Chevy plans on electrifying the car with a model they're calling the E-Ray a plug-in hybrid that could arrive as early as 2023. When the C8 Chevy Corvette Stingray was revealed last July, rumors about a hybrid or plug-in hybrid version were already a bit more than one year old. People started to wonder why the C8 had a central tunnel if it was finally a mid-engined car since it was revealed. And now SAE International reinforces that it should have a battery pack placed in that central tunnel and that it will be called the E-Ray. The electrified Corvette will be the first all-wheel drive option in the car's history, and the electric motors will be placed at the front. All the front suspension was designed from the start to give room to the half shafts to connect each front wheel to its own electric motor, which would be able to deliver more than 50 horsepower each. The combined power of the electrified all-wheel-drive Corvette would reach more than 600 horsepower, and that's just the beginning. The Corvette Zora will offer more than 1,000 horsepower. It'll be a tribute to Zora Arkus Duntov, the man who always wanted to see a mid-engined Corvette. So yes, times are changing, and the Corvette seems to not be immune. Now two weeks ago, I mentioned that Hyundai was recalling Kona electric models due to defects in battery cells. Well, This week we got official confirmation from Hyundai that the issue was related to a folded anode tab that could cause a short circuit. Hyundai says that all the defective cells were provided by LG Energy Solution. LG has naturally denied that the cells were the issue and says they cannot replicate the issue in their labs. Hyundai has taken a different route with the Ionic 5 and chosen to have the battery cells provided by SK Innovation, who are a company that is seen as LG's direct competitor and who they have had legal action with. And the last story I have for you all this week is about a company I have not talked enough about, and so my apologies about that, but this story is not one that I was going to miss. We now have an official name for the Canoe pickup truck. And that name is Canoe Pickup Truck. (laughs) The name isn't very imaginative, but let me tell you what. This truck will be amazing. Canoe designed its platform to remain as flat as possible, utilizing steering and braking by wire. And this allows for a flatbed size comparable to America's best-selling pickup truck, in a smaller footprint, according to Canoe. This also means that the pickup truck will be easier to maneuver and park in any terrain. And I gotta tell you, the more I learn about this truck, the more I like it. Here are a few of the features the company made a point to mention in their press release. A pull-out bed extension. The pickup truck bed is six feet long and can extend to a fully enclosed eight feet, allowing big items such as four by eight sheet of plywood to easily fit inside. The pole handle bed extension also helps with loading and unloading the truck. When the bed is extended, a second layer of tailgate doors can be swiveled out. The bed extension also houses a secondary lamp containing all tail lamp functions, so the truck can be driven while bed space is maximized. It also includes a fold down work table and cargo storage at the front. To offer the greatest customer utility, the pickup truck features a front cargo storage area that can hold tools or gear and also includes a fold-down work table with electrical outlets built in. The workstation table is extendable to allow customers to have maximized work surface on the go, in addition to providing an area to put on gear before heading out exploring. Flip-down side tables are included. Both sides of the vehicle house a flip-down table in two expandable depths. Built into the side panel of the truck bed, the flip down side table welcomes a workbench with multifunctional power sources in close proximity. The truck will also include sidestep and storage. On the side of the vehicle, there is a hidden step to allow quick and easy access to the truck bed. And underneath the step is a flexible storage area for items including a first aid kit, a cooler for snacks and drinks, lockable laptop storage, and more. The space efficient feature is only possible due to Canoe's ultra-flat platform. The bed itself will be modular with space dividers designed to keep items separate and secure. The bed wall also incorporates modular wheel chocks to secure bikes and configurable tie-downs for ladders, large equipment, and other materials. The truck will have a multi-accessory charge port that will allow the truck to double as a power plant with exportable power accessible on all sides of the vehicle. Power can last all day for tools and devices with as little as 10% of an impact on the vehicle's range. The truck will have integrated overhead and bed perimeter lighting, a roof rack, and one thing that I'm getting really excited about, a camper shell. The pickup truck has been designed to accommodate a variety of camper shells to fit as many use cases as possible for those who want to take their vehicle camping out in the wilderness vehicle specifications for the canoe pickup truck include dual or rear motor configurations up to 600 horsepower and 500 pound feet of torque with dual motors a vehicle payload capacity of 1800 pounds 200 miles or more of battery range and many more options They say full specifications will be revealed closer to production. This vehicle reinforces Canoes' mission of creating electric vehicles for everyone on the road or off the road. Canoes' line of battery electric vehicles is purposefully designed to help everyday people be more productive and enjoy a return on capital from their vehicle, putting money back into the pockets of its customers. Okay, so that's all the news this week, but before I go, I did want to share about an awesome local event we had here in Richmond this weekend. The Shift to Green EV Charity Parade brought together EV owners from across the Richmond metro area for a good cause, to support two local organizations, Feed More and Patriots for Families. We had a healthy representation of Teslas, Chevy Bolts, Volts, and Sparks, yes, more than just mine, and the celebrity vehicle of the day was a... Brand new Mustang Mach-E. It was a fun event with great people and I certainly expect this to be a reoccurring event as well. So that's gonna be it for this video. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much for your time and don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel, it's free, you might as well. And leave a message in the video comment section. And if you want to get in on the weekly Q&A and the ending announcements, those bits are going to be in the audio-only portion of the podcast, so you'll have to check your favorite podcast app or go to our webpage under the podcast section. But thanks for watching. I'll catch you next time. And on to our weekly Q&A for just you, our fabulous podcast listeners. This week's Q&A is again brought to you by Charged Future Electric Consultancy. You may remember Daria from last week's interview, and if you missed it, go listen to that podcast. I'm telling you, he has got a great service. And if you or someone you know is interested in an EV or getting charging installed at your business, mention EV Resource to Daria when you talk to him for a 10% discount off all Build services. Now, once again, the initial consultation is free, so check them out at chargedfuture.com. On the last weekly QA, I asked you, Have you ever felt range anxiety? And if so, how many miles of range were remaining according to your car before you'd run out of energy? And Dave Robinson replied, that 8% state of charge was remaining 25 kilometers of range and a descent into the valley to DC fast charge and arrived with 18 kilometers range of left yay for regen! chris maxwell says yes whenever it gets into single digits doesn't matter what vehicle i'm in even if it's nine miles remaining with 1.2 miles to go i get nervous Diego said zero miles being two miles from a DC fast charger. But as long as I could find a 110, I was okay. Yeah, that would definitely uh, uh, do it. I've learned from my experiences uh, that I've all but eliminated range anxiety in my little Spark EV. Um, After two years of driving, I've just become very familiar with the car and what it's capable of, and I can take it down to less than a mile at this point if I know that I am headed to where a charger is. Uh, obviously, I'm not just driving around town and then taking it down to less than a mile without knowing where I'm going, uh, but I've just learned my car and what it can do and exactly how accurate the range guessometer is. So this week's question for you is this. What do you think will be the best-selling EV in the U.S. this year? Tesla Model 3, Model Y, the ID4, ID.4, uh, even the Mustang Mach-E. That is for sale. Uh, send your answers to hello at ev-resource.com, and I will read them out on next week's podcast. So that's your show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please share this with your friends and anybody interested in electric vehicles. Our Patreon executive producers are Tom Wiggins, Rajiv Narayan, and Greg Fuller. James Hart supports us at the producer level. And if you would like to support the EV Resource Podcast, I encourage you to do that if you would be so kind. Uh, A lot of effort and love and time goes into making this podcast every week. If you are interested in chipping in and helping with a small financial contribution, you can check us out there at patreon.com slash evresource I invite your feedback for the podcast via email to hello at EV-resource.com. You can always leave a comment on the YouTube video, even if you haven't watched it and you've just listened to this, you can still go to the corresponding video, leave a comment, uh, because of course there isn't a way to leave a comment on the podcast itself. Hmm. Actually, now that I think about it, maybe I'll have to figure out a way to do that. I don't know. But anyway, for the time being, go to the YouTube video, leave a comment there. Uh, And don't forget to subscribe in the podcast app you're listening to it with. That way, you'll get all the future shows delivered to you automatically. And if you do want to listen to any of the previous shows, you can find them on the webpage under the podcast section or probably however you're listening to this podcast and whatever app you choose to use. So thank you all for being with me this week and I'll catch you next time.